Hello and welcome to episode 253 of the Thinking LSAT podcast in Los Angeles. I'm Nathan Fox with me in Vienna, Virginia. At the last minute, Ben, ben Olson. How are you doing? Yeah, doing good, man. Thanks for being flexible about the uh, start time. I totally forgot that tomorrow's a holiday and we uh, made some golf plans and so I can't do my normal thing, but thanks a lot. No worries, no worries. Uh, today on the show, we have a tip about registering for ProctorU, like a way to actually game the system. Oh, and I want to talk to, I want to also, don't let me forget this time, Ben, to talk about the crazy Proctor U default start time issue that I wanted to complain about last show, but I forgot. Um, okay, yeah. We have an email asking if we have tips for making logical deductions faster. That's interesting. We have okay. a question about LGBTQQIA plus diversity statements. We have okay. two retake questions. We have a logical reasoning question. And then we have an example of what we think is a good personal statement. Um, we especially think it's good because we helped with it. Uh, but this is our yeah. man Matt's uh, personal statement. That not only um, did it get him into law school with a full ride, but it also got him a job working for us. <laughs> yeah. So uh, hopefully that'll be useful for the listeners. How did that happen? So he <laughs> he was a student of mine in LA. His, yeah. Okay. And we said, sure, we'll help you out with that. And then he was like, yeah, because he had all, he had started like TAing for me. So I was like paying yeah. him to be my TA in the class in Los Angeles. And then he wanted us to look at the personal statement. So we helped him with it and it was awesome. And then I was, and then we were both like, wait, could you work Should just work for guy? us? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that has worked out smashingly well, by the way. Um, today, uh, well, the show will air on Monday, July the 6th. Upcoming dates, um, July 12th, Sunday, July 12th. That is the beginning of the July LSAT flex. Wednesday, July 15th is the August LSAT registration deadline. And then uh, Saturday, well, scheduled for Saturday, August 29th is the August LSAT. But that's we got to be up to 99.9% uh, .9 sure that that's going to be a flex. Wouldn't you say? I, yeah. I mean, I mean, with COVID cases rising now, right? Well, they All just the like place? California just re shut down everything that, you know, all the restaurants and stuff are, I mean, you can do outdoor seating now, but like all the stuff that was indoor, that all got shut down. A whole like 10 different categories of businesses got shut back down. So COVID is uh, here to stay, which I think means the flex is here to stay. Yeah. You can email the show anytime, help at thinkinglsat.com. Uh, that's how we build the agenda for the show is mostly just, you know, your emails, comments, questions. We love getting like news reports and silly stories from, from all y'all. So thanks for making the show um, so fun for us to do. Again, that's help at thinkinglset.com. You send us a selfie if you want while you're doing that, you studying or um, I don't know, you with your Joe Biden mask on, uh, <laughs> half cocked on your face. We can use it for the uh, show notes and social media and stuff leave us a review on i know iTunes. what we'll use for this one what's that we should use matt we should definitely use matt he's traveling across the country i know right? yeah I mean, we should use his like pictures, pictures from the grand canyon yeah that'd be cool he won't know he's thought they're just personal pictures he was sharing with us little <laughs> did he know we'll... <laughs> yeah anything that you email to help at thinking com, you can probably just assume <laughs> that you're giving us permission to uh use it in our show notes and stuff plaster your face on uh instagram 
Anyway, ready to dive into this Proctor U yeah. thing? Okay, first let me just let me let me tell you about this ridiculousness. I don't know if it's still this way, but it was this way as of a week ago. I got students, multiple students. I went to register for Proctor U. I my you know, the registration opened and I went on Proctor U to register. And the only time that it had available was twelve AM midnight was the only time that, that it had available. And people are freaking out that 12 a.m. was the time that was available. Yeah. It's not true, but that's what it looks like when you log on to this stupid registration thing. Listen to how dumb this is. It's actually telling you to pick your to pick a time. Okay, So it's asking you what time you want. Yeah. <laughs> but the time that's like pre-filled in the field is 12 a.m. Mm. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. people who don't read or, you know, just like it's it, it's off-putting to people that they're logging on to this thing. I mean, because I, I had definitely multiple different students who were complaining to me that 12 a.m. was the only time and then they're freaking out. And then later they figured out what was actually going on and they want you to select a time and then see what the available times are. So they need to just have that field be blank. <laughs> or change it to 12 p.m. instead of 12 a.m. <laughs> well, actually, that was my first thought, is change it to 12 p.m. But then I think if people, people are still reading think, this as, like, right. the only time, right? And so they're going to be like, oh, okay. And then you're going to get a bunch of signups at 12 p.m. Yeah. If you leave it blank, that's, like, fill it They up. could change it to, like, hour, hour, minute, minute, or whatever, right? Like, just mm -hmm. make it a thing mm -hmm. where it's clear that we're just supposed to be select filling it in ourselves instead of their – everybody's logging on to ProctorU thinking that they have to take the test at midnight. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you said hour, hour, minute, minute, I was thinking, I wonder how precise you can request a time. You're like, I'd like to start at one fourteen <laughs> And 17 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> and then wait three hours to get connected to the Proctor U Proctor. Anyway, yeah. um, you want to read this uh, email from about the Proctor sure. U registration tip? Yeah, it says, hi, Ben and Nathan. I love the podcast. Thanks for your great advice. Exclamation point. Thanks. After finding a way to register early for my July LSAT Flex slot, I wanted to share a tip for future LSAT Flex test takers. You can register for your Proctor U slot at least a day earlier than LSAC sends out the email with your registration info. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So Proctor U is all ready for you, and then LSAC sends out the email. That makes sense. They wouldn't want to send out the email before Proctor U is ready for you. Right. All you need to do is select the sign in option on Proctor U's site and choose the forgot my password option. How the heck did someone? I don't this know. Out? These people are crazy, <laughs> man. <laughs> I imagine students are wild. Of yeah, I don't know. Type A personalities all gathered on Reddit. When you select these options, you will be directed to enter in your email address, the one that you receive LSAT communications at, and ProctorU will send you a new password. With this new password, you can access your account and sign up for a time slot before LSAT sends out your username and password. Holy smokes, man. There's going to be so many people doing this. All the thanks to the random Reddit user who posted this LSAT Flex Pearl. Um, okay. I mean, I, is this a problem? Are people like going on to ProctorU and not finding slots that work for them? I don't think so. I thought that I had heard one or two of those reports, but isn't it like COVID right now? 
nobody's doing anything. Everybody's at home or working yeah. from home. How hard is it to take three hours off to take the flex? I don't, I don't know. Oh, by the way, this is one more reason the flex is awesome, right? Like you can, if you're like a morning person, you can take this test at seven in the morning if you want to. If you're not, you can take it at two in the afternoon. Yeah. I, the problem with that is that I got to tell you, it's not like, I think that that's sort of a self-defeating kind of an attitude to have about the test. Like, I get it. You think you're sharper at certain times of the day, whatever. But if you're good enough at the test, it really shouldn't. It's like, you're, you know, what I think the problem is, is that it, it's people are making it out to be a bigger deal more complicated, scarier than it actually is. I think they make it out to be harder than it actually is. Okay, yeah, I mean, I don't doubt that. But whether it's true or not, the fact that people believe it is enough, right, to now they get to choose. Sure. So then that but problem is solved. And I could, yeah. I don't know, man, I don't know if I could take a test in the morning. When I roll out of bed, I'm like, okay, I got to start, like, moving or my head just doesn't work. So hmm. I'm curious how I would do if I had to take it early, I suppose I, I just, I don't know, man, like <laughs> it's a, it's a, the, with the flex, it's a two hour and what is it? Two hour and five. No, wait, one hour and 45 and minutes. What? Oh yeah. There's no break. Of course. Three sections, one hour and 45 minutes. I don't know when you like, people are so uptight. Like they think, Oh no, if it, oh, I can't take it at 11 AM. I have to take it at. 9:30 a.m. You know, it, <laughs> what's the difference? <laughs> just just fucking do it. Just get better at the test. Ugh. Anyway, it's so learnable. There's the thing, right? We we've we see people improve their score by such a crazy amount and it's definitely learnable. Mm -hmm. And so the best thing you can do if you're anxious about any of this shit is just get better at the content of the test. It's not going to be that big of a deal. Anyway, anything more you want to talk about that? Nope. Talk uh, about, I'm sure tons of people will be about, doing that now. Uh, so they'll be wondering why everybody forgot their password. Okay. Next. <laughs> I could feel, I don't know. It, it's just kind of, it's kind of shady though. Like I don't, I don't think that's like a pearl. I wouldn't actually recommend <laughs> that anyone do that. You know, we're, we're sort of journalists, right? We kind of have to talk about everything. Like we just have to sort of yeah. say what's out there. But sure. do you need to do that? No, you don't. Do you need special treatment? Like get, to get your cream of the crop pick of your perfect time? No. You, they're going to register everybody. You're going to get a time. You're going to take the test. It's going to be fine. <laughs> I could yep. see LSAC. kind of seems like LSAC could do something. Like they, they probably won't. But if you register today early, they could probably like cancel that registration, right? I, I could see them doing that, but I would see them doing that after they amend their agreement. They would like <laughs> send out like lawyers. an update. Well, but yeah, the agreement, like, paragraph. I don't know, man. The agreement probably already has covers. Oh, like, we, we could cancel your whole life at any time for any reason. Yeah. If you sneeze at us in the wrong way, we're going <laughs> to okay. demand your firstborn. <laughs> Ready for this next email? I'll sure. read it. It says, yeah. Hey, Ben and Nathan, I'm a demon user. I've been practicing logic games for several months without the demon and about a month now with the demon. I'm finding the video explanations very helpful and I can get the correct answers most of the time eventually. My question is, 
How do I get faster at logic games? I'm usually making the correct inferences, and I'm using the world's method for diagramming possibilities, but I'm still just too slow. I'm taking about 12 minutes per game. Admittedly, the demon is giving me harder questions in drill mode, but when I take practice sections, I still don't finish all four games in time. Do you have any tips for making my logical deductions faster? I feel like I've hit a wall. I keep practicing and I certainly don't feel like I'm wasting my time, but I don't seem to be getting any faster. I feel like the logic games are holding me back from getting my ideal score. I took the May LSAT flex and scored a 164. 164 is a pretty good score if you're not perfect on the games. Yeah. Get perfect on the games and get up to 170. Then there was a follow-up email. It said, occurred to me that this might be relevant. When I practice games on the demon in drill mode, I start the stopwatch on my phone and then turn it face down so I'm not tempted to keep checking it. Then I dig into the questions and try my best to get them correct, but with a sense of urgency. I'm definitely prioritizing accuracy, but I'm trying to teach myself not to take all day uh, to make logical deductions. Mm Mm-mm. That's a bad plan. Games rated one to three in difficulty usually take me nine or more minutes. But when I watch the videos, Ben or Nathan will sometimes make the comment, this game can be done in about four to five minutes. So I know it's humanly possible. I've just got to get there. Smiley face. Thanks, Emily. Tips for Emily? Well, it sounds like she's uh, drilling and working at it. So that's good. Yep. Emily, you might just have to do more. Just do more games. But one thought I did have is that maybe in your case, you should do a game. Uh, you know how long it took you. Let's say it took you 14 minutes or whatever. Watch the video and see if how it was done differently or how what ideas we throw out there that you could try to do it differently, like worlds on the basis of something else. Yep. And then do the game again and see... Um, with your new ideas, you could bring it down. Even if you do the same or similar setup, just like tweaking some things here and there. I mean, some small changes, like adding an extra world, like you take a world and you split that into two worlds and now it's all full. It just can make a game go down to four or five minutes. It's crazy, but it's just like you're just done and so and you're looking at the answers you're like oh yeah b's got to be correct c's got to be correct so i i would just say repeat some of these games i agree with all of that some games aren't you know aren't susceptible to worlds but the ones that are really are and it's like you don't just get one question you get all six questions just based on your setup right you just when you, you really like just it's like you solve the whole system and then they just give you buckets of points. And yeah. I, the one thing in Emily's emails that really popped out to me was I'm trying to teach myself not to take all day to make logical deductions. That really yeah. indicates to me that she's just, she, her mind is not in the right place about this stuff. I don't care how long it takes me. You know, I'm thinking about like the dinosaur game. Mm-hmm. If 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 it takes you seven minutes to realize that there's only four ways to distribute the two mauve dinosaurs, mm-hmm. if once you once you unlock that, then you get all of the questions just like bang 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 bang. And I think what's happening here with Emily is that she's given up too quickly. 
I, I think she's she's like worrying about the time, and because she's worrying about the time, she's not going deep enough. And then when you don't go deep enough, you just don't unlock the game, and then you end up having to brute force a bunch of questions that you or I you know, we would have already predicted the answer. Like it would have just been clear, like right there in the worlds because we went that far. Yeah. You know, you can look over people's shoulder in class and, um, back when we used to have shoulders to look over (laughs) before, um, the new online only life. Um, the people who would write more in their setups always did better. It just, it's just clear, like (laughs) 90% correlation that the more you write, the better you did. And so in the setup specifically, because if you don't go deep enough on the setup, then you end up wasting a ton of time on the questions. And I guarantee that's where Emily's losing her time. It's, it's not yeah. about how much time it takes you to make the setup. It's about how much time it takes you to answer the questions. One thing I would say there is I would clarify in general, the more you do, the more work you do on your setup, the better you're going to do. You said write more and I they are going to write more, but I, what I don't want people to do is all of a sudden start just like write. You know how like they'll just write rules down oh, as yeah, opposed to thinking no. about how a rule like relates to another rule or sometimes negative rules can be interpreted positively and it's just a much more elegant or concise way of capturing what that rule is trying to say. Yep. So, yeah, don't mistake tons of writing. That's not what we're saying. Yeah, what I mean is solve the system. You have to solve mm-hmm. the system. If you if you if you if you do a solid enough setup and figure out a solution, make a bunch of inferences, worlds more often than not probably, then the questions just become easy. Like you've predicted the answer to half of the questions before they even ask you, and that's really that's really where you go fast. Yeah. Hey, I was going to add one more tip here. Uh, yeah. Throughout the years, I found myself saying to people test out the extremes in your head. And what I mean by that is I will take, like every game has four to what, eight variables. There's some that have more than that. But if you have, let's say five variables, what I'll do is I'll just grab a variable and in my head, I'll be like, okay, what's the earliest slot it could be in? What's the latest slot it could be in? And what that's what I mean by testing out extremes. I'm like trying to go from one side of the board to the other and as I do that in my head, I realize, wait, there's only so many places that this variable can go. It's almost always the case that whenever, when anyone approaches a game for the first time, they think that there are more options for each of the variables than there actually are. Yep. That's not, not always, but almost always, right? It's like you look at it and you're like, oh, geez, it looks like it can go anywhere. It's like, okay, just in your head, like, run it through the slots or run it through the groups and all of a sudden you realize, wait, it can't go there and it can't go there and it can't go there. So now it actually only has four options. Yeah. Should I do worlds on the basis of that? So that's what I mean by test out extremes. Sometimes you even have to pencil it out in order to see that, right? Sometimes sometimes you, yeah, well, you're, you're talking about picturing it in your head and realizing that some of those worlds aren't going to work. Other times, Mm -hmm. you know, hey, if it's a big block and it can only go in six places, it's not a a tragedy to write out all six of those worlds and then watch as two or three of them end up dying. You know, you just cross them out. Didn't really cost you that much time and you were able to make those inferences because you made those worlds. Um, Yeah. Anyway, I think we're probably done there. Yeah. Cool. Uh, It's you. All right. Well, 
I don't know what all these letters stand for. LGBTQQIA+. Do you know all the terms these days? I do not. All right, here we go. Hey, guys, feel free to use this on the podcast and refer to me by my real name, Rebecca. I'm a bisexual woman. Should I write a diversity statement? Maybe. When I came out to my parents a decade ago, my mom took me to a pray the gay away camp. Oh, dear God. Okay. Since then, I've used this and similar experiences to educate others. I believe that my perspective would contribute to a broader, richer law school experience and community. Ideally, I would continue to serve in an educational role in this new environment. However, I have two concerns. One, gay and straight communities alike often claim that bisexuals aren't real. (laughs) What? I didn't know that. Okay. They say we're just selfish, scared, or can't make up our minds. And I'm worried that admissions committees might share this prejudice. No way. Okay. I mean, I, sure. I, mean, I hadn't like, heard that before, but no, there's right wing like wackos who are going to discriminate against you because when you say you're bisexual, then they just are going to put you in the other camp. Yeah, I think it's. I mean, there might be people in gay communities who don't like bisexuals, but that's. I think that's got to be going away likely. these days. Yeah, yeah, it's less likely, and it's just got to be going away. Come on. I wouldn't worry about that at all. Uh, She says, I'm now married to a man. My current relationship doesn't erase my identity or the perspective that I have to offer, but I'm worried that admissions committees will think I'm just trying to, quote, score diversity points since I now benefit from the privilege of appearing straight. Thanks for any advice you have to offer. Um, I I really don't think that... I, I mean, I could be wrong, but I feel like in general... Law schools and law school admissions are leaning left. They're more liberal in their thought process. And even like conservative schools, like um, we have GMU, which is known to be a little bit more conservative, named after Justice Scalia, in fact. It's it's the legal world. I just, I feel like they're more open to these ideas and just not as judgmental about them. I, I could be wrong. I mean, you've experienced this more than... I have, obviously, but um, I would say don't worry about it and talk about your experience. The gays are taking over, man. Like, the gays have done extremely well over the last 10, 20 years. It's like one of the only areas I feel like where we've made actual progress culturally. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the law schools are, yeah, they are educated, forward thinking, modern places. I, I don't technologically they're in the <laughs> shit. <Yeah. laughs> well, COVID is forcing though, like some changes there that are long overdue as well. But yeah. Um, like including meeting people like, uh, admissions officers, like meeting with admissions folks online. Mm-hmm. I heard about yeah. that in class the other day, which is like, Oh, well no shit. They should be doing that. Like obviously yeah. they should be doing that. Save yourself the money. Why weren't they already <laughs> doing that? They're flying yeah. people across the country to come visit their school. <laughs> what? <laughs> Why? Anyway. Yeah. Um, no, I, I think you're, I think she, this, uh, I think she's overthinking it. Totally. I, I think it's, it does strike me as something that could be a very compelling, um, diversity statement. The, you know, just the fact that you went to that pray the gay away camp is, uh, boy, that's an experience that you're going to bring to the class that, or the school that 
uh, not that many people, thank God, not that many other people have had. So it's a clear example of how you're going to be bringing diverse perspectives to the classroom. I think you, you're totally safe to talk about it. Um, shit, even the Supreme Court of the United States, which is pretty damn conservative these days, is firmly pro-gay <laughs> right now. So yeah. I, yeah. I, don't, I, think you're, I think you're worrying about problems that just really don't exist. Thankfully, <laughs> I yeah. think we got some good news. <laughs> The perspective will be good because, you know, especially if you go to a school in in a large urban area, especially in New York or something, there'd be a lot of students who'd be shocked to hear that you had to, to go through that. So you say, look, no, it still happens um, on occasion. All right. You ready for these retake questions? Go for it. All right. Two of them. Uh, number one. Hi, Ben and Nathan. I have taken the official LSAT five times and I am registered for my sixth attempt in July, asterisk, scan to the bottom of the email. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Should I read the asterisk? It says, I took two tests in 2018 before the testing limits were in place, and the July, June and July tests were the flex tests, so they don't count toward my attempts. I still have three attempts left. Okay. Well, yeah. It, in general, if you feel the need to put something in a footnote, you probably shouldn't say it at all, especially in an email. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't really need that footnote. I mean, I guess they're just trying to explain that they still have attempts left or whatever, but. They were ready for us to like slam them. How could you be taking it again? <laughs> all right. Unfortunately, I took the first three tests before finding your podcast and the demon. Well, nothing you can do about that. So don't worry about it. It's out of your control. Yep. Now that I have practice scores I am happy with, I have been trying to score them on the official test. However, after going down five points on the June LSAT from my previous official test, I'm disheartened. Hmm. If I still haven't hit a score I'm happy with by August, I'm prepared to take the test again in the fall and wait to apply to law school until next year. But how much is too much? This is now, this is like forward worrying, Ben. Mm-hmm. Like worrying about a problem that hasn't even happened yet. You know, if I don't hit the score I'm happy with in August, you know, you should be just planning to get the score you're happy with in August. Why are we talking yep. about? I've also thought about trying to increase my moving average before registering for another test, but with three to four hours of studying a day in the demon since the beginning of the year and on and off studying since 2018, I think I may be hitting my max practice scores. We don't know what they are. Thank you in advance. Anonymous. I almost wonder if anonymous should not be taking the test in July. I don't know. There's a lot of like uncertainty here. I don't know what scores he or she has. Sounds like some test anxiety, you know, like yeah. Anonymous says that their practice scores had gone up, but then somehow scored five points lower than their previous official test on June, which makes me think that that must be even lower than like that's like what? Yeah. So we're thinking ten points lower than your practice Is that test. That ten average? point drop. That's what. Yeah. There's, I think there's one main way that people do that is that they just get too invested in the official test and they think that this is the be all end all today's the day I'm going to score my best score ever. And they swing for the fences and they fucking strike out. And 
I think anonymous needs to be treating the official test like it's just another practice test and shooting for the middle of her range, his or her range, you know, at or above the middle of your range, not yeah. shooting for the very top of your range. It's just wishful thinking. And it leads yeah. to, it's like me, you know, I'm playing golf tomorrow. It's like, if I have this plan of like, Oh, I'm going to shoot the course record. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to have my best day ever. And then I make one mm-hmm. bogey and I like spiral out of control and just start playing like shit. And it's, I do much better if I just like, Hey, there's going to be some good and some bad, you know, like hopefully I'll make yeah. a couple birdies. I'm definitely going to make a couple bogeys and whatever, like enjoy it, control the stuff you can control and be open to the whole range of outcomes. The people try to control it. You know, they try it like they're going to get their very best one score on the official day. And that doesn't, it just doesn't work out. If you're happy with your practice test scores and if your practice test scores are higher than your official test on record, if, I mean, if your practice test scores are the type of thing that would get you into the school you want to go to at the price you want to pay, then I think you should take it. Yeah. But if not, then yeah, definitely don't and just push it down the road to August. Next one. Good luck. Okay. Mm-hmm. It says, um, Oh, you want to read it? Go. Sure. Hello, Thinking LSAT team. I love your podcast. My wife and I listen to it every time it comes out and pour over everything in it. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. We have a question for you. Ooh, it's a joint question. On the June LSAT, I scored a 177 and was thrilled. You should be. That's awesome. Uh, I am currently signed up for the July LSAT. Is it crazy to take it again? Based on past podcasts, I believe the answer is no, but I wanted to see if you could lend your your opinions. That's got to that's that's above the seventy fifth percentile for every school in the world, right? I think it's absolutely insane to retake with a one seventy seven. No, it just just leave it. It's it's like you, whether you got a one seventy seven <laughs> or one eighty, you're you're golden. At that Harvard, point. Stanford, and Yale routinely turn down people with one eighties. Anyway, it's yeah. not like a 180 is going to be some special golden ticket that 177 isn't. When it, yeah, when it's above the 75th percentile at actual Yale, then why? What possible reason would you take it again? No reason. Yeah. So don't take it again and turn your focus to your personal statement and your overall application. Just get that all in line, get that ready to go. Um, you want to apply early and you don't want to have any typos because where you're going to be applying and you have a 3.3. So here's some context, by the way, this listener, um, has a 3.3, a biology major at UC Berkeley. Hmm, that's good. It's awesome. Challenging. Yeah. Challenging major in good school. Eight years of work experience. I want to go to the best possible school. I'm not sure Yale is possible with my GPA. Yeah, it's a challenge, but you should apply anyways. But Harvard or Stanford would be amazing. Or a scholarship offer from a T14. Yes, you should be applying to all of those and then decide later once you know your options. I've been practice testing around 175 to 180 pretty consistently. I took my Mayflex and got a 171, so this would be around my my third round. Yep, you're done. Just drop the mic, dude. Declare victory. Yeah. Yep. (laughs) You don't need to muddy the water. Yeah, what if you get like a 173? Then it's like, oh, now you just have these bunch of 170s? Yeah. This week, I feel like I'm being 
pranked or something. We got the same question just like two days I, ago. Someone was asking about a 179. Should I retake the 179 yeah. because I have a previous 164 and I want to? <laughs> I don't want them to think I got lucky with the 179, so I want to take it, it again to like to prove, prove it. Right? it. Yeah. yeah, no, yeah. that would be just that would be insane to do that. And I, just today, I had someone texting me th- uh, that wants to retake a 175. Wow, I'm like, huh. No. What are you talking about? It's 99th yeah. percentile. It's above the 75th percentile at almost every school. And even if it's not above, the, it's for sure above the 50th percentile. So, yeah. no. 175 or higher, I would never recommend a retake. Can we just say that that's the rule? That's a good rule. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Vince, I, I want to maybe give Vince one tiny bit of caution. Um he, you know, he says, I'm not sure Yale's a possibility, but Harvard or Stanford would be amazing or a scholarship from a T14. Mm. 3.3 is low for these schools. Yeah. I mean, all the schools mm-hmm. in the T14. So I would just be, you know, you need to make sure you apply broadly, Vance. I hope it works out well for you. You, you know, you were a bio major, so you can write an addendum to make sure that you point out the fact that you took, you know, organic chemistry and whatever else it was you took and just, just make it clear that you're a STEM type of brain and that three, you know, you 3.3 was probably really good in bio. Yeah. Is it just, are we lucky here? Is 3.3, what percentile of the class are you in? Hopefully it's higher. If it is, mention it. Also, did you get a higher GPA your last two years? Can we say that? Sure. Um, Increasing yeah, grade yeah. trend would be great. High rank in your program would be great. If the average GPA for bio majors at UC Berkeley is 2.9, put that in there. Yep. Totally. Okay, cool. Good luck, Vince. And uh, yeah, that's awesome that you're listening. Uh, it's a family affair. That's nice. Yeah. Ready for this LR question? Let's do it. This is a prep test 65, section four, number five. And a judge says... The case before me involves a plaintiff and three co-defendants. The plaintiff has applied to the court for an order permitting her to question each defendant without their co-defendants or their co-defendants' legal counsel being present. So a plaintiff wants to grill these defendants independently. Okay. Without any co-defendant co-defendant counsel there two of the co-defendants however share the same legal counsel the court will not order any co-defendant to find new legal counsel therefore the order requested by the plaintiff cannot be granted what are you thinking well i was there was a half second there where i was like hmm this is an interesting problem because if you're questioning a defendant and that defendant has his or her attorney with them, then you would be questioning them in front of the co-defendant's legal counsel as well. But I also then just realized as I was thinking through that scenario, and I'm literally imagining the defendant sitting in a chair and the defendant's uh, legal counsel standing next to him, this never said that the defendant's legal counsel had to be there. Right? Right. Like, so if you could get rid of the legal counsel, then you could question the defendant 
by himself or herself yeah. and it, not have it's, a problem. You know, it's got to be illegal in the real world, right? Like, <laughs> I, it, it just from like TV or whatever, there's no way that the mm-hmm. judge is going to allow a defendant to be questioned without their mm-hmm. counsel. Yeah. But it doesn't say that in the judge's argument. And I think if that principle were true, that you can't ever question a defendant without their counsel, then yeah, how the hell are you going to possibly grant this order? But it didn't say it in the facts. And that you, you know, that's your job, right? Like I, I got done reading this argument and I was like nodding along like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But that that's bad. You never want to be that. You don't want you don't want to be agreeing. Your job is to disagree. Mm-hmm. Your job is to think about all the ways that this could possibly fail. Yeah. And the one way that I think there's only one way that this could possibly fail is well, can we question them without their counsel? Yeah. That's the question that you've got to ask if you're the lawyer in the room, right? You just got to be contrary. Question says, the conclusion of the judge's argument is most strongly supported if which one of the following principles is assumed to hold? So it's a principle question? Oh, yeah. Principle. I don't know what to do here. (laughs) Khan Academy would call it a principle question, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. No, there's no such thing. Right. It's just a strengthening question. Right. How do you know that? Because it's saying... Basically, which one of the following, if true, which one of the following answers, regardless of whether it's a principle or not, if it were true, would most strongly support the judge's conclusion? Yeah. Principle means thing. It actually just kind of means nothing, right? Mm-hmm. If, if you just took out the word, like if you just scratched it out there and it just said, yeah. the conclusion is most strongly supported if which one of the following is assumed to hold, yep. <laughs> it doesn't change the it meaning be- at all. So people see that principles and they get all twisted up that they think that this is a principle question and they, you know, they'll be like struggling with an answer. Like, well, I don't know if I can pick that because I don't know if it's a principle and it's like, well, that's, you're not, that's not the point. And then, you, and then you get some students who are a little more nuanced and they're like, okay, I know it's not a big deal, but principles are more general. They're more general and therefore, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, did that general claim, help you or not yeah that's all i care about it's entirely beside the point mm-hmm. it, which one of the following if assumed which means if true is gonna help this argument the most yeah it's a strengthening question but it's very similar to what other type of question very similar to a sufficient assumption question thank you yeah, and I would always be trying to predict a sufficient assumption here. Same same with you? Yeah, yeah. That's the golden ticket to a strengthening question. A sufficient assumption proves the conclusion of the argument correct. You can't strengthen an argument more than proving the conclusion of the argument to be correct. So lots yeah. of times on a strengthening question, if I can predict a sufficient assumption, I will predict the sufficient assumption before I look at the answer choices because... Ideally, I go into the answer choices, I find uh, the sufficient assumption that I predicted, and that's just 100% the answer for sure. Yeah. So what did we predict again? We predicted that you needed the legal counsel of the defendant to be present when you question 
yep. him or her. Yeah. You can't, if, if it's true that you can't question them without the council, then I just don't see how we can possibly grant this order. Yeah. Cause otherwise you would be questioning the defendant in front of their legal counsel, as well as one of the right. co-defendants counsels because they share the same legal counsel. Yep. And then I, you know what, Ben, I think it would take me five seconds to go through the answer choices here. Literally. Okay. Be, Let's do it. Well, because I mean, I'm, I'm looking for, we can't question them without their counsel. Mm-hmm. A says a court cannot issue an order that forces legal counsel to disclose in for, I would stop reading it right there. B says it's not about yep. defendants have the right to have their legal counsel present when being questioned. Bang. That's it. That's the answer. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's just, we predicted the sufficient assumption. It's there. That's the answer. Yeah. It's a strengthened question, but, I, but we found a sufficient I would assumption. Still, I'd still read the rest really sure, fast. Sure, of course. But again, yeah. really, really fast. People mm-hmm. being questioned in legal proceedings may refuse to answer questions, blah, blah, blah. That's not the point. D, a plaintiff in a legal case should never be granted a right that is denied to a defendant? <laughs> what are you even talking about? Gr- granting That's the like, plaintiff a right that the defendant is being denied? How does that even connect? E, a defendant's legal counsel has the right to question the plaintiff. Okay. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's backward. Again, not even what we're talking to, like, about. flip it around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is not what we're talking about. I mean, I wanted, you can't question anybody without their attorney. B says yep. you can't question a defendant without their attorney. And the, the, the request was about questioning a defendant. So if B is true, forces the conclusion to be true. And that's easily the answer for this strengthened question. Yeah. Cool. All right. We have made it to Great. our last agenda item, which is awesome Matt's personal statement. Yeah, so we got a lot of data here. Do we want all this? Well, I mean, you know, he he took the LSAT a ton of times. He has good grades. He ended up with a 171 LSAT. Yep. I don't want to really, I don't really don't want to read the resume bullets because I, I kind of want to just like let the personal statement speak for itself. Sure. He's got a whole list of schools that he applied to here. Full rides at Wake Forest, Wisconsin, Richmond, Maryland, Arizona, Pepperdine, Penn State, Ohio State, almost full at Loyola Marymount, three-quarter scholarship at GW. Ended up going to Maryland, right? Uh, on the full ride. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> Just home run. Great applicant. Worked his ass off. Got the 171. He added it up. He had a total of about $2 million worth of different scholarship offers. Of course, you can only take one. And of course, it's <laughs> just a promo code. It's not actual cash. But, you know, he is going to law school with for zero tuition. So yeah. he's a uh, poster child for success. But here's, here's his personal statement. In August 2016, I discovered operational discrepancies that were costing us thousands of dollars in our new product manufacturing division. Working in support and logistics for our photo booth sales department, I noticed that our manufacturing and assembly queues were falling further behind. Although the manager was hiring new personnel to fix the problem, I calculated that his division's labor costs were increasing faster than expected revenue and that we are about to miss several 90-day financing delivery deadlines. If our products weren't delivered within 90 days, the contracts would be voided, 
and our clients would have to refinance. Our manufacturing manager didn't even realize that this default was about to happen. I asked our CEO for an emergency meeting. Okay, lots of facts. Also, a lot of I sentences that say what he is doing uh, to address a problem that he discovered. You know, it's like, think about what he's, he's not saying I take, you know, I am the type of person who takes initiative. I am. I solve problems. The type, right. I am brave enough to ask my boss, blah, blah, blah. You know, instead it's just letting the facts speak for themselves here. But he, he's already shown smart, takes, takes initiative, hardworking, bold, you know, boldness enough to say, hey, boss, we're about to fuck up. Yep. You know, <laughs> I, I love it. It's like you're, you're and, you, and you are drawn into a bit of a story here as well, right? Because yeah. now students, they do a poor job of this like narrative arc development. Mm-hmm. They normally, they like start off by talking, talking shit about themselves, <laughs> like yeah. where they fucked something up, which is dangerous, I think. And then how they overcame it, yada, yada. But instead, you know, Matt is like, well, here's a problem that I identified and we assume he's going to solve it. Mm-hmm. Anyway. He continues, in our one-on-one meeting, I detailed my findings. Most alarmingly, our current manager had never put together a bill of materials. We were selling our photo booths like hotcakes, but we didn't even know how much they cost to make. I, like I presented that, a plan. I like that that's a shorter paragraph. The first paragraph was pretty long. It was long. Uh, but then now he's got a... That, that paragraph there has short sentences. There's only three short sentences in the entire paragraph. I like the mixing it up a little bit. It makes it easier to digest. Same principle with sentences. If you have a long one, give your reader a break by throwing in a short one. Yep. I presented a plan to fix the inter immediate issues and to increase our profits in the long run. The CEO listened and agreed, and together we planned the path forward. The CEO tasked me with getting out from under our four-month production backlog and cutting labor costs by at least 40%. I took over the manufacturing department the next day. Ooh. Okay. On that first day, I made an accurate bill of materials. For the previous three months, we had been selling our booths at below at below break-even cost. We immediately raised our sale price from $6,000 to $7,500. I also found new sources for almost half of our components, reducing our cost by hundreds of dollars per booth. On my first day, I also had to tell four of our 10 team members that Friday would be their last day. By the end of that first week, we had shipped 10 photo booths, a new company record. Again, just facts unpacking exactly what's happening. So many statements just say I worked on solving a manufacturing problem. (laughs) It's like, okay, what happened? There's no editorializing at all. Yeah. There's, it's just like this. I did this. We did this, did this next thing. I like it that he's, you know, I mean, they were losing money on the photo booths and he figured it out. 
I like it that, you know, then he's reducing, you know, figuring out how to source the components better and save the company money. It's just, he just, it seems like a thinker and like a doer. What do you think about telling four of the 10 team members that Friday would be their last day? I had forgotten about that bit. Uh, it takes courage. Yeah, I agree. It's like, it's, he's not, he's not like celebrating it as an achievement or anything. He doesn't make nope. himself look like an asshole, you know, that he's got people on the chopping block and he's gleefully laying people off. He says he had to tell them. Yeah. But the fact that he did it, I mean, that's a thing that he did in his job that like really requires, yeah, some guts that had to be hard. It's good. He he comes across as mature. Yep. Agree. Right? He's, I'm here, I'm here to do work, I'm here to go to school, kick some ass, and then go get a, a professional job. I'm here to become an attorney. So many people don't look like they're ready to be an attorney. Right. <laughs> Over the next month, he continues, I triaged the shipping queue to meet our most pressing deadlines for financing delivery and need-buy dates. I also implemented a new department structure. I designated specific roles within the department and assigned the remaining six employees to those new these new role, roles. We successfully shipped our over quota for six weeks straight. Our four-month backlog disappeared in seven weeks, five weeks ahead of the best-case scenario that the CEO had imagined during our planning meeting. As we were catching up, I again had to let more team members go to cut labor costs. Fortunately, three of them were later rehired to other positions in our growing company. After trimming down our team yet again, I refined the roles of each member and gave them ownership of their territory. This responsibility encouraged the four remaining team members to grow into their roles and operate independently. I also standardized and documented our operations. These documented procedures now specify best practices that will allow us to smoothly replace future staff and position us for growth after I am gone. During the next six months, our team of five shipped almost 200 photo booths with accessories, over $2 million in revenue. This amount nearly doubled our first year sales prediction, allowing us to buy a new office and warehouse space. Wow. The company used the revenue to double its workforce in other divisions. Through further standardization and organization, we cut the build time by over 20% and brought the costs the cost of goods sold down by $1,000 per booth. Over the next three years, I became one of the senior leaders at our company. I continued to lead the manufacturing department while becoming the go-to for new projects from the CEO. My division developed and launched four more profitable photo booth and accessory offerings. I created the new positions of operations manager and director of products, further defining positions for company growth. I took on the role of safety supervisor and drafted human resource policies for hiring salaried employees. In these new capacities, I researched labor rules and regulations. I helped us achieve compliance in our slick, sick, overtime, and other labor law policies. I also helped negotiate contracts between the company and new employees. Here I discovered a love for the intricacies of the law that has motivated me to go to law school and to pursue these kinds of transactions at a higher level. Now we know why he's going to law school. I like that one sentence where it clearly ties what he was actually doing in his real job to the law school. It just like makes a, it's just a real compelling, like, well, 
I figured out that I liked this stuff. And so now I want to do more of that. Yep. <sighs> I love it. It's good stuff. I think, we wish you all the luck, Matt. I think that company, by the way, is now just totally out of business because of COVID. <laughs> way, I mean, it's sad, but they make photo booths for <laughs> parties, basically. I don't think yeah. there's anybody getting in a photo booth for the next <laughs> like, long, long time. Um, but no, we have I mean, strict he, COVID-19 cleaning policies. Yeah. We invented a self-cleaning <laughs> photo booth <laughs> that sterilizes itself in between every user. No, um, he, yeah, he's a great candidate. He's going to, I'm sure he's going to kick ass in law school and he's, <laughs> those other kids are paying his tuition to go there. They're paying his tuition and then they have to compete with him for grades. Yeah. Um, so he is winning at, uh, at the game. That's the game. It's awesome. Cool, man. Anything else we want to add? I think that's it. Good. Yeah. Yeah. You have class. I have class. I got to go teach right now. Oh, by the way, that's on, uh, If anybody wants to study with me and Ben, um, we are doing live classes seven days a week through Demon Live. It's amazing what we're able to offer now. More than we ever were able to offer before uh, is now it, COVID forced us to do something that we should have done a long time ago. It's so much better. It's I'm like so much like more engaged with the students and shit. We had Anne Levine come the other day and like you know she's able to do one one class with the entire group. And it was just like, I don't know, there's great questions and so much more yeah. like energy and interaction. I'm, I've been amazed that the, um, I never predicted the students are interacting with each other in the chat in like helpful mm. ways. Yeah. As a classroom teacher, I would always get pissed at kids like talking in class, mm. you know, like even if they're sitting in the back row talking, I'm like, yeah. hey. it's like, I can hear you. You're <laughs> Like, what are you doing? But now yeah. they can do it in the chat where they like can actually help people understand stuff. And it's silent to me unless I look at the chat, which I, you know, I check in on the chat, but they're, I notice that they're like helping each other out. It's awesome. Oh, let me tell you one other success story from class. Tatiana is, is in the class right now. And she told me the other night that she, she has been since we started this whole thing, she's been like a stalwart in the classes and like really super engaged. You know, she's always asking questions and making helpful comments and just like a very, I'm I'm totally engaged with, with this student. And she tells me that she has always for her whole life been a back row type of a student. Hmm. Like it's not her at all to be like this in the class. But because of Zoom, for whatever reason, she's, you know, she's in her own space. She's comfortable at home. And yeah, there's a, you know, Brady Bunch full of people in the Zoom. But she has been, she like feels totally comfortable asking questions, which is, it's awesome. I'm like, I'm getting questions from all different levels of students, which I totally love. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, it's really cool. That's uh, lsatdemon.com. Of course, you don't even have to do the live stuff. You can also do all of the 24 hours a day um, just drilling and timed sections and everything else that's in the regular uh, old school version of the demon as well. We are at Thinking LSAT on Instagram and Twitter. Are we at LSAT Demon on Instagram yet? Did we do that? I thought we were doing that. 
See if we are. Try to find us. We are. Yeah. <laughs> at no, we are. Demon. Yep. Um, we are at Elsa Demon. I think we have like 100 people. So go <laughs> and uh, follow that. Cool. So thanks, Annalisa. Yeah. I'm on Twitter at InFox. Ben is on Instagram at Innovator Ben if you want to come uh, find us individually. ThinkingElsat.com if you want to get the show notes or subscribe to our newsletter. Uh, please leave us a review wherever you happen to leave online reviews, including iTunes. Um, but yeah, rate, review, subscribe, do all the things and help other people find the show, please. That was episode 253 of the Thinking LSAT podcast. Thanks all y'all for listening. Nice knowing you. Don't pay for law school. <laughs> <laughs>